The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are uh, somewhere, we're down into the 50s as far as days away from uh, the season starting, depending on, you know, where your team or when your team starts. Um not the busiest time of year, but there's always stuff going on, always interesting oh, yeah. things to talk about. Absolutely. I mean, sit here, I sit here looking at who's signed, who's still who's still to be signed, who hasn't been traded, who has been traded, mm. who's retired, and who's homeless. Yeah, that's right. We have some uh, homeless uh, situation going on here in the or in the future, near future. Shall we say? Absolutely. But, but the question uh, begs, where do we start? Uh, I think there's a question that really needs addressing in the local market. Because it's one of those twofold questions. There's what would what would happen in a vacuum and what do you expect to happen? Wait, wait. Is the question who's going to be the second line center? Um, <laughs> nope, that's not the question. Okay, I was gonna say I think that I I don't think we have an answer for that because well, the Bruins themselves haven't answered it. But okay. Well, that's actually again a two part question or at least two part question because who's going to start the season, who's going to succeed in the role, and who's going to end the season in the role okay. uh, are are all subsets of that question. But I'm talking about Patrice Bergeron's next contract. Uh huh. His deal expires at the end of the year. He's been on one of the most team-friendly contracts in the last ten years of the NHL. Uh, he will be. I mean, he's 36 years old now, so he's not exactly young. But he was very nearly a point per game player in the lockout shortened or in the uh, COVID shortened 2021 season. Okay. Where do you think where do you think he would end up with for or what do you think he would end up with for a contract if he were a complete UFA and willing to sign anywhere? Uh, give me a moment. Thank or even you. any contender. Um I guess is probably a decent uh, I mean see. I can I can find you some cup uh, some cap comparables. Two years, four and a half per. There is no way he signs at four and a half per on the open market. <clears throat> 36 years old. Nobody's going to sign him longer than a year point or two. Per game. All right, or fine. Very then nearly raise a point the, per game. Then raise the, the dollar amount. forward in the league. Then raise the dollar amount, but he's not going long distance. You want to say he's going to sign a two-year, $16 million contract? That's fine. I think it's a little bit high for a 36. Oh, wait, at the time that he signs it, 37-year-old. You think it's too much to pay for someone who's very nearly a point-per-game player? And I still think a lot of it two-way forward in league history. I think a lot of it is going to ride on what we see this season. So let's if, look at some comparables. Uh, as far as current contracts, these are via cap friendly. Um, 
Patrice Bergeron's contract uh, when he signed it was 10.69% of the contract back in uh, July of uh, July of 20, uh, 2013. Earlier that year, Ryan Getzlaff had signed a contract. Uh, Getzlaff uh, at the time of signing was a year younger, but um, he signed mm-hmm. a six-year contract that was for 12.83% of the cap hit. Uh, and had an average average annual value of 8.25 million to Bergeron 6.875. Over the last however many seasons, which of those two players would you want on your roster? Obviously, I'd want Patrice Bergeron, better okay. two-way player. I mean, not that not that Getzlaff is anything to sneeze at, but in the realm of 200-foot games. Getzlap is good. Bergeron is elite. Okay. Uh, Logan Couture, uh, July of 2018, at age 30, signed an eight-year deal uh, that was 10.06% of the cap and an $8 million cap hit. Um, Over the last three seasons, four seasons, who would you want on your roster, Logan Couture or Patrice Bergeron? Again, Patrice. Uh, here's a softball, underhand and slow. It's barely going to cross the plate, but it July first, July first, yeah, uh, a cap hit of ten point one four percent, seven million dollars, uh, four million dollar contract to equally aged Paul Stasny. That was foolishness, but okay. Which of the two would you want? Again, Patrice. That was foolishness on the part of whoever threw him threw that money at him. Okay. I'm looking at it from a two logistic years, standpoint. I like years, Patrice no, Bergeron. No. Two years after Bergeron signed, uh, one of the most one of the most similar players to him. This uh, this time at age 31 for a six year contract, 9.63 percent of the contra- uh, of the uh, cap at the time. Identical contract, six point eight seven five million. Um, Ryan Kessler. Ryan Kessler hasn't played a game in three years. Um, and even at his peak, Ryan Kessler had maybe one season where he was actually better than Patrice Bergeron. Maybe. If you look at like career long comparisons. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarity scores uh, driven uh, put together by the nice folks over at Hockey Reference. There's pretty much only Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers on the list. I'm not going to disagree. Bergeron is a Hall of Famer. I mean, they could put him in the year after he retires. They don't have to wait the three years or five years or whatever. I'm not going to argue any of this. The question was, what's the contract? And I'm sorry, but at 36 and when he does sign at 37, pushing 38. Is he going to get eight million dollars a year? I don't think so. This isn't the other show the other friends. Half the vacuum show, is. This isn't show friends. It's it's show business. He's Here's the question or two part question. Can you afford to alienate the rest of the players on your roster? 
because David Pasternak, um, Charlie McAvoy, uh, Linus Olmark, and a couple of guys who are who have recently been drafted are going to be looking at their potential earnings across their career here in Boston. Can you afford to alienate talent? Something the Bruins have been really good at over the years. They They've did got that the this w- year, but okay. Second, if it comes down to Patrice Bergeron, if you don't have him signed before the end of his current contract, can you afford for him to go play in another uniform? Will the fan base allow it? Because to me, unless he's asking for $12 million a year, letting him go. While he's still a top-tier player in the NHL, is a resume-generating event for Sweeney and for Neely and for every assistant general manager who didn't call ownership and say, these guys are on drugs and not the good ones. This needs to stop. And every sports franchise that has ever offered contracts to aging players based on past performance, not based on what's expected of them in the future, has put themselves in financial jeopardy. Red Sox did it when they put themselves into trouble. By Alex giving Ovechkin two- just got a contract for um, for more money than what he was being paid. And he plays a much more physical style that theoretically should have broken him down already. Patrice Bergeron has done... Uh, Patrice Bergeron, no. As much as I like Ovechkin, and yes, he's physical, he spends an awful lot of time shooting one-timers and waiting for people to pass him the puck. I like Alex Ovechkin. I hope he breaks the record. I think he will do it. And I think I'm in the minority on that. I think most people feel that he's not going to make it. I think he will. But he spends a lot of time in the in the left face-off circle, shooting one-timers, scoring goals because he's still got a wicked shot from that spot. His office, just like behind the net is Gretzky's office. They may as well just paint Ovechkin's name in every face-off circle in the NHL because it's his office. But okay, since the earlier in his season, yes, physical. Since the 2013-14 season. Patrice Bergeron has not one, not two, not four, but five 30-goal or more seasons, including two of them where he played 60 games, or actually three seasons where he played 60 games, or 60 range games. If he's on the ice, he's producing points. He's had at like 30, what was it, 34 in the 18-19 season, he had a more than point-per-game season for the first time in his career. And He's I'll admit, not falling apart. And He's I'll admit, first aging. number was a joke. What? And I'll admit, first number was a joke. Four and a half per, yeah, not going to get it. But I also don't think that he should be getting $10 million a year at 38 years old. So you threw out the number $16 million over two years. Yeah, that's fair. I'll, I'll give him that. I'll give him $8 million for $8 million a year for two years. It's, I think it's still large, but I'll give it to him. I think that that's probably the least. I think that's probably the smartest number that either that 
people that people like you and me and the average fan should be hoping for. I'm I think telling you, it, paying a player for past performance is you're always paying for past performance. When you draft a, no, no, no. When you draft a kid in the first round, you're doing it based on what he's done in the past. You're not doing it based on what he's done in the NHL already. When you give but someone their second why, bridge contract, but you're that's paying. Why, that's no. why an entry level is capped at the little number that it's capped at. But you're still paying them based on past performance. But so you're not the giving them a million dollars a year. What? But you aren't giving them a million dollars a year. Most entry level, 925000 is usually where the number stops. That's for first round. It's tiered based on the round, on where they're drafted. Yes, I understand that. So, you're again, you're still paying for past performance. Everyone pays for past performance. If you're talking about a guy who has had four bad years in a row when they hit UFA status – that's a really different thing than someone who's been consistently producing 30 goal seasons. And I also think that's why there's a, they should have a GM in place who thinks with his head and not with his heart. As much as I want to be a fan, if I'm running the team, I have to think team first. If I can't say, just give everybody $10 million a year and say, hey, let's go home and party. And no one said give everyone $10 million a year. But here's the thing. You've got – if Patrice Bergeron walks at the end of the year because you offer him a $4.5 million a year contract, what's David Pasternak going to do at the end of his contract a year later? And how long before Brad Marchand says, yeah, I'd like to go play elsewhere. Uh, I'm not stepping on the ice so in this here's year. A bit of, again. So here's a bit of a difference. Bergeron is 30 – Eight years old or 37 years old or whatever. Pasternak is how many de- a decade plus younger? Uh, Patrice Bergeron doesn't forget how to pass the puck for six weeks at a time. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with that, but Pasternak's role is not to be a distributor. Pasternak's role is the goal scorer. Yes, but you can't do that if you can't, I don't know, create space for yourself by I don't, by pulling people, by pushing uh, defenders away from you by sending the puck accurately to someone else in the same uniform. Uh-huh. And Pasternak, you know, fails that little litmus test a couple of times a season for long stretches. I think what plays into Bergeron's hands nicely is the fact that Krejci ain't here. I I think that even with Krejci here, you're still looking at getting him around eight to eight. And I'm and I'm okay with eight. I'm okay with eight. If you're gonna tell me eight and a half, uh, I'm gonna grimace, walk away, and say, "Well played, Patrice." You start getting into the nine, nine plus category, and now I'm not only grimacing a little harder, now I'm muttering bad words as I walk away. It, it just, there's, there's got to be a point at which you say, look, he's playing really, really top level hockey. 
But and that doesn't so not everybody not everybody is Tom Brady. And we're not talking about everybody. We're talking about Patrice Bergeron. The numbers say he's still at that level. Numbers say he was at that level last season. A guy who produces five out of seven seasons, 31 goal, 30 plus goals, including in a 40, uh, 56 game season. Yeah, that's more than a half a goal per game. And goal scoring isn't in his top two or three uses or the needs of the club from him is doing way more than they're currently being paid for way more. Oh, I agree. He's doing way more than he's currently. The number he's at is ridiculous, but that's what it was. More importantly, that level of consistency does not indicate that he is ready to decline. His speed has not really gone down. In fact, the last two, three seasons, you can say that he's a better skater now than he was when he got into the NHL which is terrifying. Uh, there's a difference between better skater and faster. I, I, n- not always, but I, I would still say that he's probably faster now than he was at 20. Okay. And yeah, it, 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 you can be fast if you can't stop. Well, go watch Mighty Ducks too, but um, there's one thing about being fast. There's another thing about being able, being con- in, in control, and how strong of a skater you are. To, they aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, but they can be. Are they in his case? In his case, strong skater, stronger skater now than he was when he was younger. I agree. Faster. I don't know if I'd go there. I'd say he hasn't lost a step. I would I would actually go faster. Um, He might not he might not actually be 100 percent faster, but look at the guys he's keeping up with now versus Brad boys who. Wasn't especially swift or uh, Marco Sturm, who wasn't especially swift. I will agree. I will I will give you this. I will say yes. He's deserving of a raise. Yes, he will get a raise. But in my thinking with my brain as opposed to with my heart, I'm not going to open the checkbook and just keep throwing dollars at him willy-nilly. And it sounds like you just want to give him whatever he whatever he puts down for a number on a napkin, and you can't run the team that way. Didn't say that, but okay. we'll move on to the next topic. <laughs> this was a good topic. What are you talking about? Got my got my got the 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 heart rate up. Got the 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 blood pumping. This was a good topic. Uh, so here's the next one. Um, Henrik Lundqvist announced his retirement this week after oodles of seasons and oodles of. Individually successful seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not actually taken a deep look at his uh, at his career numbers and ha- where that places him and everything like that uh, prior to the last couple of weeks, or at least not in a couple of years. Hall of Famer, no Hall of Fame. <sighs> He 
you're going to base it on 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 strictly a 35 pound cup, then no. His numbers, uh, if I'm not mistaken, save percentage is ridiculous. Top everything 10. is everything is ridiculous. The only thing he's not top ten in is shutouts. He had like 64, which puts him in like the top 20. I think it puts him at like 17th because he only had 64 shutouts. Everything else is like top 10, top five. To me, that's Hall of Fame. Um, and our nice I'm friends sorry. over at, it, our nice it, friends over at Hockey Reference would actually agree with you. Um, actually, it's the uh, stat head stat that I'm looking at, but um, they're as far as I know part of the Hockey Reference uh, family. I think the, um, I, I think their logo kind of gives it away. Um, so interesting tweet uh, from Stathead a couple of days or yesterday, the day before. Um, as far as top three goaltenders uh, all time in goals against, uh, where's the tweet? Wait, wait, wait. I know who number one is. Yeah, that one is never a surprise. I know who number one is. It's Tukarask. He's not actually number one, despite being the world's most elite goalie. How is he not number one? He is elite. I've been ridiculed and in other ways put down for wanting to trade him. Um, because some people are wrong and good at it. Ah, OK, good. OK, so goalies with 60 plus shutouts. 450 yeah. wins and two, uh, 2.50 goals against average or lower in the NHL history. There are three guys. That's right. Three who on this list. Wait, wait, wait. Well, since we're talking about Lundquist, I'm going to say he's on the list. Yep. Um, Tukarask. Uh, nope. Damn. Um, some guy that used to play in New Jersey. Did, did, did. Kevin Weeks? I don't, I don't think he no. had 450 wins. No, that Brodeur guy. Martin Brodeur, yep, he does He does lead this list. Um, Third one's going to be uh, uh, Carey Price. Uh, that would be a negative Ghost Rider. Pattern is full, damn. Um. Oh, I know who it is. It's that eagle guy. Mr. Belfour. Eddie Belfour. Yeah, I like Eddie Belfour. Never came to Boston, but I wanted him to. Um, Some of the other interesting stats in this range. Now, remember that Belfour played from 88 to 2007 when save percentage was – he was very, very, very good at his time. His career save percentage is a 906. Martin Brodeur – career save percentage from 91 to 2015, which is an ungodly amount of time, was a 912. <laughs> um, they didn't do quality, uh, quality starts or quality starts percentage for uh, in the time, in most of the time that Belfort was in the league, but quality starts percentage, Henrik Lundqvist ahead of uh, Martin Brodeur, 
Um, as far as well as total quality starts during that time, obviously there was a period where uh, Brodeur was playing on a total garbage team, but it's really hard to make arguments for him not to be uh, a Hall of Famer at some point. Um, First ballot? Probably not. I'm sorry, Brodeur played for 22. Did you notice one thing about these three guys, by the way? Active for 22 years, active for 15 years, active for 17 years. Yeah. When you win a lot, <laughs> they're going to pay you. They're going to keep you around a lot. 912, 918, 906, save percentage, goals against. Uh, 93, 92, 93. Um, <laughs> hmm, I don't know. These guys kind of average. I don't know. I don't. It, it, the only bad thing you can say put on here is that okay, Henrik Lundqvist had ninety really bad starts, and Brodeur had sixty-one in forty percent more games. Yeah. Um. <coughs> I, but again, uh, Henrik Lundqvist and some of his coaches were his own worst enemy because, quite frankly, he played games he should not have. Like, I remember seeing video of him limping into, like, visibly limping, leg jutted out to one side uh, while outside, you know, his shoulders, uh, limping into the, uh, into Madison Square Garden to play a game, and then go on the ice and not look good. Okay, clearly Henrik Lundqvist was not a physical goaltender. In 15 years, he only had 18 penalty minutes. Eddie Belfour, on the other hand, had a little bit of a temper to him. <laughs> Eddie Belfour probably had multiple seasons where he had more than 15 penalty minutes. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. If, if, if you're going to try and argue with me that Lundquist shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, you can... Tell me, I'll tell you you're wrong, and then that'll be the end of it. Because the guy should be in the Hall of Fame. I understand, no Stanley Cups. Fine. That's not an argument for whether he should be in the Hall of Fame. Patrice Bergeron, if he never wins the 2011 Stanley Cup, still Hall of Fame? Um, Without a doubt. Thank you. Sorry, yeah, no, you, you, you've got to... There's there 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 really isn't an argument here. Two time All Star, uh, All Rookie Team, he's got himself a Vesna. The only thing he hasn't done is a Stanley Cup, and Stanley Cup is a team position. Granted, yes, hot goaltender in the in the playoffs can win you a cup, but if the rest of the team around you not so good, the rest of the team doesn't show up, you can't win. So, in my eyes, yes, Hall of Fame. No argument. Uh, I'm really not ready to hear any arguments, but because the one argument they're going to throw at any whoever's making the statement is that he never won a Stanley Cup. And I happen to agree with you. I I was on the fence for it 
before looking at what he's actually done in the league and where most of his numbers rank. And sorry, no, uh, I if you could if you pop me in a time machine and throw me back to the 13-14 season uh, where the Bruins go to and tell me that the Bruins are going to the Stanley Cup final. You wipe my memory of everything that's happened since the start of that season and ask me if I'm going to, if I want to go with Henrik Lundqvist or Tuka Rask at the start of that year. I'm probably saying Henrik Lundqvist then. Yeah. And maybe he gets to win that cup. Because uh, yeah. I I'm sorry but he's a better goaltender than Rask. He's also got a gold By the way, he's also got a gold medal with Sweden back in 2006, was it? If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was 2006. I think that's the year, yeah. Uh he's won I believe they've won a world champ, uh, uh, world champ, uh, uh, you know, the world championships, uh, not Stanley Cup, but international. Um, he has actually two assists in two different years uh, for Sweden's U twenty, so U uh, twenty team. Yeah, no, this guy. Yeah, for me, he's in. There's uh, I I I commend him for trying to come back even after he found out about his heart issue. Uh, I think part of the issue, part of it, is the fact that he's discovered he's got to have another procedure. Yeah, and that's why he called it a day. I think that played a lot into that's why he called it a day was the was that it was decided that he needed a second procedure because he was already to. After the first one, and, and oh, yeah, back was, in January or February, he was working he was, out again. Yeah, he was ready to come back. He and and even when they signed him in Washington, and everybody was like, "Oh, he's going to be the backup to Samsonov." This that he was like, "No, no, 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 I'm going there to compete for the number one job. <laughs> I'm not anybody's backup." <laughs> yeah, I. And you have to love the drive of a person like that. I was going to say, whether you that's like the, them, don't like them, and honestly, I found him less than appealing in his interviews. But you can't say you can't take anything away from what he actually accomplished on the ice. If it was in his control, it, he did it well. Yeah. And in what is possibly the least shocking uh, breakdown in relationships um, in decades, the Arizona Coyotes will be homeless after the season. Ah, the homeless discussion. And uh, one of the most, one of the nastiest Soto Voco uh, comments um coming from the city uh, is in the Arizona sports uh, 98.7 FM article mm-hmm. um, over the year, the city will be announcing many projects that will generate incredible excitement for residents, visitors, and stakeholders as an, 
as amazing as the sports and entertainment district is today, the next several years will be more transformative as this momentum continues. Uh, elsewhere in the article, um, let's see. Uh, in the in one of the other articles, they talk about uh, bigger and better. Um, the city also makes a statement about bigger and better uh, attractions coming to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, in polite business terms, that's basically saying you suck and we hate everything about you. Um, and then well, kicking someone in the groin. Well, having the city come, having the city, the city council, the city manager Kevin Phelps, over the next year, city, you know that quote that you just gave us. So over the next year, they're going to announce the projects. It, all very exciting stuff. Sports and entertainment district. Next several years, more transformative. The part they left off of that quote is, "But you're not included." Barely. <laughs> and to be quite honest, it doesn't take a whole lot of reading between the lines to get to that point. I, and if you the thing is, if you think about it, when we talked about all of the issues that were going on in Arizona, and I don't remember, I did not research which show it was and I should have pulled it up. But we talked about all the issues going on in Arizona and ownership and how they how they negotiate their 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 deals with uh, with the Gila River with Arizona with with uh, Glendale with and all of the workings that go on it's not a surprise that they're just saying look we're done with this because the ownership has pretty much burnt all of the bridges that lead to them yeah, they're, they're on an island at this point. You know, in, in this article, it talks about Tempe. I mean, Tempe. That's the thing. Apparently, te- they've been looking to build a new um, temp- arena in Tempe for a while. Um, you know, I've heard about Tempe off and on for almost as long as the Coyotes have been in Arizona. Um, and they've been looking to, uh, Tempe has been looking to develop, uh, uh to get a top, uh, a big four NHL, fran- a big four sports franchise for years and years and years. Um, and if the, if they can actually get there and be in an area that's highly accessible to fans, because that's kind of important. And by accessible, we don't just mean, you know, you can drive there through three roads. You probably need some public transportation. You absolutely need parking and you need stuff to you need other stuff to do. There's like there's no getting around that a a sports team for a city is supposed to be a magnet to help build other businesses and, you know, drive revenue for the for the city. Given how badly um, Gary Bettman likes to maintain media markets, mm-hmm. I can't imagine uh, Arizona leaving 
the Coyotes leaving Arizona anytime in the next two or three years. Um, so if it's Tempe or Tucson or but or they somehow manage to get back into Phoenix proper. How much of the how much of what what we've read in this article is so telling? Because oh, it's, I'm looking at no, you look at the end of this and Coyotes originally were playing in the America West Arena, which is also the home to the Phoenix Suns in basketball. How many hockey how many hockey teams share their arena with a basketball franchise? A lot. Probably, I'm not saying over half, I would say. Yeah. And they moved away from that to go to the heat because they wanted their own place or uh, if that's the argument. Admittedly, fine. that was I, previous ownership, but yes. Okay. They've been on an annual lease since 2000, 2016 because Glendale voted to opt out of having a long-term agreement with the team. Which, and then – Yeah. And then they had a deal with Arizona State University to build a shared arena, but the school backed out. Nobody wants to deal with this team. Yes. And part of it is the series of owners who have ha- who have owned the team. There's they've had terrible ownership since they landed in Arizona. Um, and it's I don't I don't even know how many ownership groups have have actually you know had the corner office. It's at least three, and that doesn't count the NHL's tenure of ownership. Okay. Um. But they can't do anything right. Whoever lands there has not managed the one bright spot the team had in the past 15 or 20 years was John Chaka. They managed to run him out of town, too. Uh, And that that one you can 175 percent place at the footsteps of the current ownership. The only, the only maybe sort of kind of useful, hopeful thing about the Coyotes this year, next year, short term, is they have seven picks in the first 62 in the 2022 draft. But you still have to turn those picks into something useful. Agreed. I, I mean, we talked we talked uh, about a year ago about which franchises we would want to take over uh, based on their prospect pools Auto or their young talent. The list. <laughs> this team is not in the top five. No, not well, not if I have to work with this ownership group, that's for sure. I mean, even looking at their even looking at their prospect pool, I mean. Who on there do you really, really want to see in the NHL? Uh, I can't think of anyone. Yeah, that that would be the sound of crickets. Yeah. But I remember when they were broadcasting the the city meetings, the town meetings for Glendale about the arena district deals six, seven years ago. It might have been the 2016 one. The city council seemed largely indifferent at best. 
And most of the town seemed indifferent or hostile. How is this in any way surprising to you that the relationship is being ended? Uh, no, because, uh, like I said, the story that we did, uh, the story that and I'm, I'm trying to remember when it was because it was based on an article that was written in The Athletic and we went over and over it and the just the things that were described by people who had dealt with this ownership group and the deals that they were putting themselves in and the way they were nickel and diming for lack of a better phrase the 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 people that they were dealing with it none of it makes none none of it surprising it glendale's just tired all i can imagine is that they're just tired of dealing with this ownership group who still owes them money the last time that we reported this there was still money owed on on the lease well let's see back in may we talked about uh rick talkett uh, leaving. That was the May 9th episode. Um, yeah, it's I, it 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 goes back. It was either during the twenty during 2020. During 2020, the Coyotes were being investigated for illegally giving fitness tests. <laughs> It was that as well. Uh, I just I, I I'm not surprised at this at all. None of it none of it shocks me. And I read I mean my first hint at this was that somebody and it was clearly obviously a, a fake headline, but somebody wrote, Oh, looks like it's Arizona it looks like it's coyotes to Quebec for the 22-23 season. And then I started looking it up and I'm like, um maybe they are going to have to move. This is ridiculous. We'll have the Nordiques back. So that's great. So we got Winnipeg Jets moved to Arizona, became the Coyotes. Quebec Nordiques moved to Colorado, become the Avalanche. And NHL decides new franchise in Winnipeg called the Jets. And now the Coyotes who were the Jets are going to go back to Quebec and become the Nordiques. It started to have this funny ring to it in my head. I just didn't. I was well, like, it, it can't really happen, can it? Maybe they'll move them back to Hartford and become the Whalers. Ah, Whalers moved to Carolina and became the Hurricanes. So we need somebody like. Or they could move back to Kansas. They could move to Kansas City and become the Scouts. <laughs> become the Houston. We, we can move to Houston. Become the Arrows. Oh, there's that. Um, <laughs> they could move back to Toronto and become the Maroons. I mean, they've been talking about a second GTA team forever. Oh, I'm sorry, Montreal, and become the Maroons. The Maroons, huh? Okay. How many how many franchises do they think do we think they should have in 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 Canada? Do you and I think they should have, or do most Canadians think they should have? Because I've heard Canadians tell me that they should move every franchise to Canada. Really? 
Okay. Um, yeah, no, not seeing it, but all right, no. I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm not surprised. And I don't know what the, if, if they're going to, it says ownership is, is bound and determined to keep the team in Arizona. I think that Batman wants to keep the team in Arizona, which means that the next thing they're going to be called is the Tempe Coyotes. Or they just stay Arizona and change their home again. But it, it, it feels like they're going backwards, and that's no direction for an NHL franchise to be going. Not at a time where they've got a brand-new contract. Brand new seven-year contract with the Four Letter Network, clearly going to give them the widest exposure that they've had in decades. Yeah, in decades. And and the first thing you're going to report is, oh wait, one of our franchises has to move to an area where it basically you you'd have to build a ten thousand seat arena because are they going to fill twenty thousand or eighteen thousand in Tempe? I. I don't know. I mean, it I guess it depends on I guess it depends on the popula- on the uh on the cost of tickets. Okay. Um I, just, uh, yeah. I mean Chandler Chandler Arizona has a population of 252,000. Uh Tempe's population as of 2019 was about 100 and, uh just under 190,000. Um Mm-hmm. I just don't. Yeah, I don't see it happening. They'll they'll move to Tempe, but they're not going to have. The only way they're going to fill that stadium is you're going to have to bring in. You're going to have to win. Well, yeah. There's a start. Let's win. Some, let's win something. You're going to have to actually win games. I know this is a freakish concept, and. I mean, if you look at if you look at a heat map of the state, um, yeah. Tempe isn't really that far outside of Phoenix. Um, it's actually closer to Phoenix proper than Glendale is. So you're gonna you're still getting the major metro area uh, population. Um, it's certainly going to be a better landing spot than Tucson. Um, Argu- uh, Mason Chandler, arguably closer uh, to the cl- to the heart of the city, mm-hmm. but it comes down to what's there and how good is the team. You need you need a generation of being a good hockey team to have those diehards or enough of those diehards to get your arena to sixty percent capacity, even when you suck for two or three years in a row. Arizona hasn't had that. They've been there a generation. They haven't been good for more than four years in that. I don't know. When did they land there? 1996 or so? Uh, yeah. I, yeah, they've been there 20. Has they been there 25 years? It's about that. Uh, no, wait a minute. Sounds it. Expansion wise, it sounds about right. Well, the the (laughs) 
Phoenix uh, 79. I can't remember. No, that doesn't count. <laughs> when did the Arizona Coyote? 1996. Yeah. But and, how did I remember that? that? Um, Good job. <laughs> shocking job. Okay. I, my memory's not that good. Uh, but this was originally one of the four teams that came in uh, through the WH, uh, World Hockey Association. And it seems to have had brought its troubles with it um, because they were in <clears throat> they were in Canada for 30 years and never won anything. They've been in the desert for another 20 years and haven't won anything. Maybe it's just the franchise. Maybe it's just the franchise. Okay. They're just what? Uh, Unlucky, cursed, bad, I don't know, carrying bad juju. Who knows? Bad juju, yeah. It's it, it, it's not going to be a good look for Batman. He, I, I don't know how he gets... I don't know how he gets away with... Uh, gets out from under this. Um, it's not like the NHL hasn't moved franchises and the NFL hasn't moved franchises uh, and the NBA has moved franchises and, well, MLB has less franchises than all or, than the other three sports, but we won't talk about that because it's still America's pastime. Just ask any baseball fan. Um, so let me get this straight. Baseball is not America's pastime. <laughs> it's America's pastime. It just has the smallest league. That makes perfect sense. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so I found it. It was a special report in the, in in the Athletic. Dysfunction in the desert, finger pointing, fear, and financial woes roil the Coyotes organization. Uh, this was back in February of 2020. Am I reading that right? Yeah. Just probably. says for. Well, no, just said no. It might be twenty-one. Just says February sixteenth. Kate, written by Katie Strang. It was a really good, really well-written article, and it talks about all of the issues and the way they deal, and and yet they're meeting at the 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 executive GM and president's house, uh, Gutierrez, and it's a multi-million-dollar affair, and this, that, and everything. It's like, yeah, okay. And you wonder why the team is basically moving on. They're they're tired of not being paid. They 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 expect that they're going to get their money. And and that it, from this article, it sounds like they have not been easy to deal with. No. Nope. So and we did talk about it at length, like we are now. <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, it was February. Just... Of tw- it was February sixteenth of twenty twenty one. So it just came out like six months ago. So no, I'm in no way surprised by this development. In fact, calling it even a development is probably a stretch. Um, probably something that could have been predicted and should have uh, been foreseen. You know, the more I see the NHL, the more I get, the more insistent I get that the problems start with the owners who are a little too comfortable and really don't want anyone to change or challenge the way things work. Uh, There were rumors years back that Mark Cuban wanted to buy an NHL franchise and they wouldn't let him because he was too controversial. Guess what? (laughs) Mark Cuban makes money hand over fist at pretty much everything he touches. The NHL could use a little bit of that. Wasn't he on that shark? Isn't he on that shark tank? He's part of the shark tanks gang. Yeah. And oh, by the way, the Dallas Mavericks have the uh, have the reigning MVP of the NBA. The team makes money. Um, he's at all the games. Yes, every now and again he says something that people kind of call him out on. But I've never read anything about him having these kind of issues. And it's not like Dallas wants the Mavericks to go anywhere. <laughs> and I mean... Despite the fact that Dallas isn't even in a top 10 market, they still make really good revenue. Like, I I just don't get it. I don't get where... He understands how to make money. Why? Because he examines how a business works in whatever sector he's looking at works, how it succeeds, how it fails, and then he throws money at making it succeed. It's that simple. Okay, Dallas. Number six in league revenue in uh, the 2019-2020 season. Ahead of Boston. Ahead of Toronto, ahead of the Clippers, um, ahead of the Detroit Pistons, uh, the Orlando Magic. Um, what's yeah, sure Dallas is population-wise a bigger city than some of these, mm-hmm. but Boston, the Boston Celtics are the Boston Celtics. People show up for those games even when they're terrible. Yes. The Philadelphia 76ers have been around forever. Everyone knows who they are. L.A. is one of the two biggest sports markets in the country or media markets in the country. There's there's just no way he would have been a bad addition to the NHL. The answer the answer to this issue could be in the first paragraph of this article from February. Sure. 
Coyotes were not Marulo's first foray into trying to buy a sports franchise. In August 2011, he announced an agreement to purchase a majority stake in the Atlanta Hawks, NBA, pending Board of Governors' approval. Deal fell apart just a few months later. According to one report, league felt the deal was too highly leveraged. Multiple sources told The Athletic the NBA harbored doubts about Marulo's ability to withstand operating costs and did not receive the financial assurances needed to assuage those concerns. Now, operating costs in the in in major league in in basketball are a little little cranky or a little more concentrated. Um, it's almost impossible to get to the playoffs if you don't have really high end players. But the NBA did their due diligence and said, you know what? No. 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 Just the no. NHL. I don't know if they did due diligence, but the NHL went, we got somebody who wants to buy a hockey team. I just don't get it. Um, There had to have been someone or a group of someone's better than this. Yeah. And we can just leave that one alone now. Just I'm done with it. Well, there's no real way to go with it, so yeah. <laughs> um, Kevin Deneen was recently named uh, head coach of the Utica Comets. Our own, our own Kevin Deneen here in Boston. I believe that's the one. Yeah. Oh wow! Congratulations to him. We actually congratulated him, I believe, last week or the week before. Oh, was it? And uh, yeah, August fifth. So. It was a couple of weeks ago, but it, it's a, a, I mean, he's only the third coach in Comets history. So they Correct. seem to have a history of longevity with their coaches. Kevin Deneen's coming from a winning program. I mean, we've seen him at development camps. We've seen him training camps behind the bench. I, it's no surprise that he's finally getting his opportunity to, to, to be, the voice behind the bench. So is this a path to the pros for him or is this just him admitting I can't cut it in the NHL or the NHL as a, or the AHL as a head coach. Um, and I'm just going to take whatever I can get. But he was, a, he was already a coach in the AHL with the San, with San Diego Gulls. No, no, no. Head coach. When was he? When was he? Uh, last served last as head coach of San Diego in the AHL for the Anaheim Ducks organization, posting a 56, 36, and nine record and a three-game playoff appearance in 2021, where they went one and two. Prior to that, he was an assistant coach. So yeah, it's. But the last time he was a he was a head coach for all for 57 games and then not renewed. Or whatever happened. He was a head coach for two years uh, with a winning record. So I don't I'm, I'm going to guess that he got offered a chance to move up to the next level. Going from the AHL to major junior is the next level. No. Following his playing career. All right. This article is going Backwards? 
He's also coached internationally. I I don't think that I don't think that anything has to. I don't think this has anything to do with him saying he can't cut it because he's already got a winning record as an AHL head coach. But it, he had a one and done season. He had Why two seasons. He, no, he he coached the nineteen twenty season as his last uh, as his last uh, or for the San Diego Gulls. Okay. Which means he didn't coach at all last year. And his last stint in the NHL was back in the 2013-14 season uh, as a head coach. He's been an assistant coach in the NHL for Chicago for several years. Yeah. Um, I I have to wonder if this is... If this is, you know, I mean, he's 57 years old. If he can't get, if he can't get another two full seasons, if he can't get to the NHL again, is this the reason why? Is there something fundamentally about him that's just gonna block that? His NHL, his NHL record as a head coach is iffy. I mean, he lost in the first round in eleven and twelve, in eleven twelve uh, for Florida. Twelve thirteen in that uh, lockout shortened season, they had a terrible, terrible record, and didn't make the playoffs. Um, and then he was relieved after sixteen games um, with a three point one three points percentage um, uh, in the thirteen uh, fourteen season. Is this just another guy who's a really good assistant coach and not useful for anything else? I would have to say, if anything, he is good at teaching young kids because he spent a lot of time in AHL affiliates. He's the AHL. He won the Coach of the Year award in the AHL in his inaugural season. I I think that maybe he's just good with younger. Maybe he's just not good at at, at coaching twenty three egos in the locker room. Maybe that's why they keep Cassidy around in Boston. He doesn't have any recognizable system, but maybe he's good at managing 23 egos. I, I, I don't think that it has to do. I mean, he seems to have a winning record. He's been on Stanley Cup winning staffs with Joel Quenville. I, I don't think winning is an issue. I just I get the impression based on what I'm reading that he's more about teaching young kids and, and coaching them up, getting them ready for the jump to the next level. That's my opinion, based on what I'm reading. I can go with that. I don't think that, 
I mean, we've seen him, like I said, we've seen him at development camps with Boston. I mean, he, he's out there running the kids and, and coaching them and doing what he does with the with the young invites and everything and young draft picks. So I, I, I get the impression that he just likes working with the young ones instead of dealing with the egos in the locker room and, and how to manage them. In, in this case, he can be more of a teacher, more of a coach. That's fair, and that may actually be what's happening. Um, what isn't happening, at least not yet, is a trade of Vladimir Tarasenko out of out of the Blues. <laughs> but he may be doing storm surges next year, at least according to the rumors, as reported by Johnny Rex of Clutch Points. Uh, <laughs> Do you see a fit there? I don't know what he's going to do. I, I, I'm still, I, I don't know that he hasn't moved. We talked about, but him doing, no, I don't see it. I, I don't even know how to explain it. I just don't see it. Feel the questions. I mean, we're talking about is he going to get moved? We talked about it pre-show. Is he is he some sort of a deadline? Is he is he a deadline deal acquisition at this point? Is he going to get moved before? Is he going to get moved before training camp? During training camp? I think if he's healthy, like if he makes it into training camp and is healthy enough that the twenty-eight scouts who will show up. As soon as he's, it's announced that he's doing anything that vaguely resembles game action, he might get moved before the start of the season. Maybe. I'd say 60% chance. He's got a no-trade clause. I get that. Yeah, but he wants out. The only places he's not going are bottom feeders. Like, if they ask him... He's not going to Buffalo. He's not going to Arizona. He's not going to Detroit. He's probably not going... You could make an argument that he wouldn't even – he's not going to Columbus. You could probably even make an argument that he might not even want to go to the Rangers. Not that the Rangers have cap, cap space for him, but not without completely breaking who they are. Um, but I think it's more likely that you see a trade somewhere between U.S. Thanksgiving and – uh, and the start of the year. Because I think that there's going to be teams who get to U.S. Thanksgiving, see that they're 11 points out or nine points out, and say, we can make it in. We just need this guy. And then they go after him hard. And it will snowball because other teams will jump in. Storm search. I don't see I don't. Caroline... I don't know that he goes to Carolina. I mean, see, I think Carolina it has to be counted as a top two or three team in the Eastern Conference. I I, I would agree with that. I, I I might go top in the Eastern Conference. I go top five. Okay, who are you putting ahead of them? Because I can't think of four teams I would put ahead of them <laughs> in the Eastern Conference. Not in their own division, in the Eastern Conference. 
Yeah, I can't think of four teams I'd put ahead of them. Tampa Bay? Arguably. Yeah, and I, I suppose that that's arguable. How many, um, how many players home. did they lose? How many actual impact players did they lose? They lost at least <laughs> four that I remember. Oh, Tampa Bay. Okay. I thought yeah. you were talking about Carolina. Tampa Bay, yes. They lost some They lost some impact as far as, uh, yeah, they lost both Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau. They lost Yanni Gordon the draft, whether you want to consider consider him impact or not. I think that he does have some impact. He might mm-hmm. not be the most impactful player on the team. They lost Tyler Johnson, did they not? Yep. Did Andre Palat go anywhere, or is he still with the organization? I believe he's still there. Okay. Uh, defensively, uh, no. they... Yeah, they do still have Palat. Defensively, they didn't lose much if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to remember who they would have lost who they might have lost defensively. But they brought in David Savard, so okay. You got Sergachev, McDonough now, had Savard went out Savard went out in the post uh in the Oh uh, Savard's with Savard's with um Montreal, that's right. Savard signed with Montreal. Kind of a replacement for Weber, but not really. They needed his leadership in the locker room more than, and more than I mean, size-wise, he's not as big as Weber. And, okay, so you you don't have the David Savard, but you still got Cernak, Sergeyev, McDonough, Hedman. Actually, their defense looks a little thin. Yeah, okay, so arguably, but anyway, top five: Carolina, Tampa Bay, Boston. Uh, can we still put Washington there? I don't think so, but maybe. I'm more likely to put Florida ahead of them. Interesting. And I think as much as they're going to flame out in the first or second round, you have to probably put Toronto ahead of Montreal, ahead of Washington. What about Montreal? <laughs> what about Montreal? The- Montreal will be a playoff team, and I think the Rangers will be a playoff team. Islanders? Most likely. They should have Islanders lead back. So they Eastern did lose Everly. So Eastern Conference, Canes, Islanders, Bruins, Lightning, Leafs. That's six. No, that's five. Canes, Islanders, Bruins, Lightning, Leafs. So Canes, yeah, top three, top five. Okay. Yeah, you could squeeze them into top three. You're right. We could sit here all day arguing who is and who isn't. Maple Leafs in their defense, you know, Canes, the Canes and Bruins are probably the most well-rounded teams in the Eastern Conference. And maybe the Panthers. Rangers? No. I think the Rangers make it. I I, I think they're better. Okay, so. Unless Philly does something magical this year with that collection of players. The Rangers are a better team. So the, so the Canes are in play as far as Tarasenko then is what it was, what we were trying to get to. Yes, I would. As far as quality of roster in some place, I can see him wanting to play. Yes. You can make the argument that they don't have an elite center for him to play with. 
and I'm willing to listen to that argument, but okay, I'm not saying it's a great argument. But could you make that not that not that the Panthers have expressed any desire, and I think they're over as far as roster size, but. Are, are the Florida Panthers becoming a desired destination based on what they did this past season? Granted, it was a shortened season, whatever arguments you want to make, but they I mean, were impressive. I Look, if I were an NHL player on the verge of, and wanted to get to a team that was on the verge of making the playoffs or that, that was going to make the playoffs, make the second round at least – and I thought, I am the guy who can push this team over. Yeah, I would look at them. Uh, I mean, let's face it. Arizona, uh, St. Louis is going to ask for players off the roster going back. Uh, for right wings, you're looking at Hornquist. Not necessarily going to be the top of the list as far as I'm concerned as a return. Plus, he has that modified no trade clause. They just signed Reinhardt, so he's not moving. Yeah. Um Frank Petrano doesn't get it done. Nolachari doesn't get it done. Uh, Anthony Duclair doesn't get it done. But I think you might end up moving two of those and maybe Owen Tippett as part of the return. Oh, I don't see them giving up Owen Tippett. Don't see them wanting to. Okay, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Don't see them wanting to. But if they had to choose between Tippett or Verhage, I think they keep Verhage. Uh, but between needing to clear money and needing to move the needle far enough to get it done, you're going to have to give up something you don't want to. And it's probably not going to be Sergei Bobrovsky going back. Oh, they don't want Bobrovsky. They've got that that Billingsworth or whatever his name is. Guy in that. They don't need a Bobrovsky. I'm sure that Florida would love to get out from under that $10 million a year. (laughs) Yeah, just maybe. (laughs) Yeah, because everybody else on the team is actually reasonably priced. I mean, I don't know if I would have given Reinhardt six and a half mil, but, you know, that's another argument for another time. But everybody else is reasonably priced dollar wise. Ekblad's at seven and a half. Still got a few years left. I mean, yeah, I think Florida should be in consideration. I'm not saying that that's where he's going to go, but I think Florida has to be a considered option. I'm not, and the Canes certainly could be a considered. I just don't know that the Canes are going to make that move. It would be surprising. That said, an yeah. unsurprising and unpleasant thing that happened was the league agreeing to put ads on the jerseys. Um, I think if I buy a jersey from here on out, I will probably unstitch the ad in the store and leave it on the counter. Um, And no, I'm not exaggerating. Really? Really. I hate the look of European jerseys. And when, I, they're, not, they're, they're trying not to be like that, though. That's why they're no, saying only they already as soon as you put the first ad on, you're already agreeing that 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 there's not that it's not a big deal. And as okay. soon as it's not a big deal, it's we need to maximize this. There's no. 
it's just the way humans work. They're going to look like those. They're going to look like the jumpsuits of of NASCAR drivers within five years. If you allow one ad, then that's you're you're making a pretty big leap there, my friend. Floodgates they have been opened. Period. It depends. I, I I think it. I think that there's going to be. It's tough to make that argument because Batman no, it's is not. just. No. I mean, it, it's tough to argue against it because Batman. Yes, I can see Batman going dollar signs. Yes. They put they superimpose ads on the glass. I know. Now. Superimpose hey, ads on the glass. In Europe, they sell face-off. They sell the face-off circles for advertising. Yeah. The whole circle. Yeah. Becomes an ad. Yeah. It, 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 it this, says potential revenue the ads will generate is an understatement. Are we not worried about a flat cap for more than one year? How are we going to be able to afford players if their salaries keep increasing, but yet there's no money to give them? The money has to come from somewhere or the players are going to have to accept that they can't make as much. And that's not going to happen. Maybe the league needs to do a better job, actual marketing and not just throwing ads in places. Maybe. Good argument. Maybe they do. There's been speculation that this deal means there will be ads on jerseys, and that's just not true, Batman said. The fact of the matter is we are not currently considering putting advertising on NHL jerseys. Uh-huh. Instead, they put ads on exhibition tournament jerseys. The first sweaters created by Adidas were for the 2016 World. Oh, this is an old quote. My apologies. It's going to happen. It's just going to happen. Although um, that door cracked open, Batman said the NHL certainly won't be the first of the big four, and they weren't, because the NBA did it in 2017. I don't know. I, it's The money's got to come from somewhere. I don't want it either, but if you're going to have if you're going to have guys like McDavid making 12 and a half mil per and he's eating up 20 and he and McDryside are eating up 25 percent of that team's salary, first of all. That's why they brought in Holland. He can't do anything about their contracts, but it's not going to happen again. Secondly, so that means that ownership and GMs have to start tightening their belts a little. And secondly, he can't go to any other franchise and get more money. He's not going to. The only way to get him a raise is to have more revenue. And there are other revenue streams. Bigger buildings. Bigger buildings. Better uh, better advertising in general. More product placement. I mean they already they already place ads on the on the sweaters during uh, on the uh, not on the sweaters, on the towels during interviews. There's 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 other ways to do this. Okay. I'm still I am there. The issue is that during an interview, you're only seeing it either in between periods or at the end of a game. That's true, but it's not in motion, and you can actually see it clearly the whole time. They're talking about in-game 60 60 game minutes of visibility. 
And yes, I agree because when the camera pans out, you're not seeing that little tiny three inch ad on the guy's chest or the guy's shoulder. I mean, I, let's I, face it. How, how much trouble do even the announcers whose job it is have trouble reading the jer- the Jersey numbers? I think that this is, isn't necessarily a great move for, uh, for the advertisers. And I'm not sure I'd buy into it as if I had marketing money to spend. Damn, but they spent money putting the, they spent money putting company logos on helmets. So this is the next logical step in their minds. I agree. I don't like. I agree. I don't like it. I just don't think that there's a way to stop it. Hey, look. I said if I walk into a pro shop and I buy a jersey, I will probably unstitch the ad and have the and leave it on the counter. I think they should give fans the option to buy the jersey with or without the ad. Never going to happen. <laughs> or, or or knowing the league, they will make you pay more to buy it without the ad. Interesting, but how many people would actually do that? Uh, number one is sitting right here. Number two is sitting right here. So, <laughs> uh, Jack Eichel has been tweeting some really, really boring ah. treats that everyone on the planet seems to be overreacting to. Yes, this is true. Um, Jack Eichel tweeted a frowning face. And only a frowning face emoji uh, on August 19th. And there is an entire Yahoo article of responses, yeah. mostly from two or three people, um, including uh, what looks like Mike uh, Feel, uh, Mike Fail, at Mike Fail, um, mocking up a Calgary jersey with the number 99 and the name Michael. Uh, can't have that. Um, Haley uh, Salvian saying 10 things this emoji could mean for the Calgary Flames, my column. And a couple of reaction uh, videos from TikTok and other places. Now, I, I don't understand. He tweeted out a frowning emoji. Yes. All that tells me is that he's unhappy. That's and, it. And because we already we already know he's unhappy. unhappy. So why are we jumping to all these conclusions that it means something other than he's unhappy? Because, I mean, let's see, 25, 24 uh, year old whose home is getting whose hometown is about to get hit by a hurricane level storm um, who's having who has a major neck injury um, couldn't possibly have anything else on his mind other than still being a member of Buffalo Sabres that could make him unhappy. He's unhappy. At that moment. That's at at the moment that he tweeted this out, the frowny face, he was Unhappy. unhappy. How we jump from there to Everything going else. to Calgary or, um, oh, wait, he's doing something, going somewhere. He was unhappy. He could have been unhappy because he bit into a, 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 a squishy banana. I mean, maybe his pizza <laughs> delivery was late. Exactly. He's bored. He doesn't 
he's not happy with his situation. And obviously, Kevin Adams is not just going to move him for the sake of moving him. This is his one prize piece in the collection. And I honestly think that he learned from his mistakes with the Taylor Hall, even though, yes, we know he didn't have a choice with Taylor. I get it. But I, I still think that somehow he screwed that up. He just didn't get enough. But he's not going to screw this up. He He's not going to give away Eichel for nothing. Eichel's not happy. He's not happy with the team because they me- they messed around with his medical situation, forcing him to do sit and get better rather than getting the surgery that he needed, wanted, and would certainly benefit from. He's unhappy. That's all it is. Was unhappy at the was time unhappy. of the tweet. There you go. Was unhappy at the time of the tweet. After that, it's done. <laughs> What's unfortunately also over uh, are the lives of three young hockey players in British Columbia. Uh, news just coming out um, of the deaths of Caleb Reimer, Ronan Sharma, and Parker Magnuson. Um, they died when their car crashed into a tree early Saturday in Surrey, British Columbia. Uh, Reimer had played, uh, in the WHL, um, and had named, been named to the U-17 hockey challenge. Uh, Sharma was playing for the BCHL, uh, Langley Riverman and Magnuson, uh, played with the Delta Hockey Academy, um, earning some U-17 and U-18 time, um, there's not really any more information. Uh, news uh, news is coming out of uh, Western Canada. Uh, I'm sure there will be more updates, but uh, condolences to uh, the families, friends, teammates of all three young men. And uh, I just hope that uh, everyone can move on uh, after after an appropriate time of grief. And it, it's something like that that puts all the discussion and all the talk that we have, the, the Eichel tweets, in it, it, it's something like this that puts it all in perspective. Absolutely. Um, you know, every year, every year it seems like there's some accident in your hometown or the town next to you where some young person loses their life in uh, – an unfortunate and a highly unfortunate and sometimes preventable manner. Um, but it doesn't matter whether it's preventable or not. It's, it's ugly and it, it, it leaves people scarred. Agreed. Uh, Jack Ruslevic, uh, who grew up in Columbus, uh, loves the sport, loved, ho- uh, and wanted to play in his hometown. Uh, finally got traded back there. Um, and he's doing something to, uh, pay it forward, um, today or this afternoon, uh, Sunday, the 22nd, uh, he's hosting the inaugural, uh, tournament, uh, golf tournament to raise, uh, raise pros, raise money for a foundation for, uh, to help young players engage and more people play hockey, uh, play sports. It's the Rosie's gear for goals, top golf event. Um, this is the type of thing I just love to see. Um, 
absolutely love to see it. People who have people who give back because it means to them versus people who give back because it looks good. There's no different. There's no comparison. And I think that the ones who do it because it means something to them have a bigger impact, even if they raise less money, because when there's that personal connection and they start talking to the people they're helping, uh, it shows it ab- sincerity absolutely shows every single time. Well, it says right here and having played, I know, but quote, I know how expensive hockey can be. And that's my biggest thing. My vision a couple of years ago was to hold events, to raise money and host a camp and outfit kids and youth in Columbus to get them on the ice or get them on the roller rink. We can use that money to create awareness and maybe have some new kids start playing the game, watching the game or whatever it might be, just to show hockey in a different light and introduce people to the sport. Absolutely. Hockey is one of the more expensive sports out there between the pads and the equipment and sticks and skates. Not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, playing any sport with the exception of maybe basketball or maybe soccer. Yeah, you only yeah, soccer you only needed shin pads and a ball. Yeah, that's true. And the cleats. So yeah, soccer would be an inexpensive sport to get into as well. If you consider it a sport. Oh goodness. You run around, you keep score, you compete for titles. It's a sport. You abdicate the use of the thing that makes that separates humans from other species. Yeah. Okay. Uh yes. Yes, you do. You have to think through the game. Absolutely. Uh, yes, you you demote yourself to non-tool user uh, in the sport, but okay. Okay. Uh, another argument for another time, then, because the rest of the world seems to differ with your opinion on that. But anyway, yes, expensive hockey, hockey, expensive sport, and the fact that he's doing this to raise money to help outfit these kids, get them on the ice, get them playing. That's the type of stuff that we need to expand the sport. And it's it's events like this that the NHL needs to, in some way, promote and get people going to maybe get it and maybe get the, the event on TV, get real sponsorship. Wait, actually learn to market the NHL? Oh, goodness. What am I saying? Okay, yeah. Crazy talk. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to do that. Crazy I talk. I've been and Chris things. has a link here for the best trade ever, according well, to him. No, it's actually according the best trade ever, blah, according blah, 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 to Detroit Sports blah, blah, blah. Nation. Who are completely unbiased. Completely. I'm not saying they aren't. Wait a minute. Stop putting words and thoughts onto this side of the microphone. 28 years ago, the Red Wings traded for Chris Draper from the Winnipeg Jets for future considerations. That guy gets around everywhere. He was drafted 62nd overall, and the Jets parted ways. The future consideration was $1. American, $1. After being traded to the Red Wings, 
He played 14 seasons, passed the 1,000 game mark, 1,137, scored 158 goals, 203 assists. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he's a four-time Stanley Cup winner. Uh, oh, wait, he's won that, that thing, that trophy that the guy in Boston keeps winning, the, that Bergeron guy we talked about earlier. He's won a Selkie trophy. He's won one world. He's got four gold medals, one silver medal. Yeah, but how many of those years was he the best player on his team? That's the whole point. He didn't have to be the best player on his team, but he was. So you're saying other players carried him? No, because he was the Selkie Trophy winner as best defensive forward on his team. So he wasn't the best offensive forward. He didn't score a lot of goals, as I just said, 158. He wasn't a huge goal scorer. He was defensive forward. Which is also very important. You know, you need guys playing that 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 defense thing. Just ask Toronto. And if you could honestly tell me that if you could honestly tell me that the Jets wouldn't reverse that trade and give the dollar back to get Draper back, you're wrong. He was traded for a dollar. What year was the trade? 28 years ago. He was drafted in 1989. Uh, He played his first three seasons with the Jets. Oh, just 20 games. And then they decided to trade him. So, 92? 91? No, that would make him 30 years ago. 93. 92, 93. Uh, Let's see. The trade One dollar. Uh, was in 93, June of 93. $1. Uh, isn't that as the as the Winnipeg Jets 1.0 were beginning their downslide? Probably. Because in 96, the Winnipeg Jets became the Arizona, the Phoenix Coyotes. And they've been both Phoenix and Arizona. I think this is their second time as Arizona. <laughs> oh, I thought it was. I thought they went straight to Phoenix and then became Arizona a few years ago. Who can keep up when they moved out of you know Phoenix? <laughs> anyway, Chris Draper for a dollar. Yeah, I'd make that deal. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. Uh, share the show. Uh, love the show. Listen to the show. Invite your friends, family, coworkers, random people you meet on uh, on Clubhouse and uh, LinkedIn. Have a great day. Uh, we will be back next week with all that's happening uh, in the NHL and beyond. Take care.